What is up, everybody? This is Travis, and this is a special podcast because this is actually a special week. It is my birthday week, and at the time of this recording, I'm 26 years old, but who knows, by the time you listen to it, I might have turned 27. At 26 years old, obviously I am in my single season. I have way more free time at this point than I'm probably going to have for the rest of my life, and... I had a bunch of stuff in my heart. I was like, man, I want to start a podcast. Boom, you got Travis Talks. I was like, man. And then I started my YouTube channel a while back, and that was like a dream come true. I made a website, then I realized like, man, websites are overrated, at least for me right now. So I've got to write a lot of great music, in my opinion, personally, and actually got to sing the theme song on the Discovery Camp CD last summer. And literally, that was a dream come true. And and really, what I want to say about 26, like 26 has been the year that dreams have come true. And um, I'm super grateful. Obviously, if you're listening, like, thanks for being a part of my life. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It means so much because, you know, we're on this journey together. It really is a journey. Like, we're finding out new information all of the time. And something that I've just more aware of, and I've heard people say it, our Christian experience while we're on this earth consists of two things that I can find. On one hand, we're going for Jesus. Like, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit, your character, evident in my life. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to go make disciples. And the other side is a battle against complacency. And that's kind of where I found myself this year because there is no salvation 2.0. There is no Holy Ghost 2.0. This is it. And if you're frustrated with your Christian experience, if you're frustrated with the way that you're doing life right now, we have to get honest for a moment and, and just say that it's not God's fault. I don't know if you've ever tried like a diet or something like that, but most of the time, the end result of the diet is so that you can be healthier or be more physically fit or something like that. That's that's why you go on the diet most of the time. Ironically, a diet by definition is just what you do on the regular, but, but we go on these diets, these periodized eating cycles for a result. And you can't have the results of the diet without adhering to what the diet calls for. You got to follow the rules. And then at that point, if you say, hey, I don't like the results I'm getting, then you would change diets. But your salvation isn't a diet. Lordship isn't a diet. If Jesus is Lord, he's the Lord. And the call to follow Jesus is an all-in call. And that's what makes Jesus different from every other philosopher, every other religious leader, is that Jesus is over here and he's like, hey, you guys are searching, but I am the way. Jesus is the way. He's my way. He's your way. He's the only way to get to heaven. And he's the only way to get to God. When I read the Bible, I really identify with the apostle Peter. He grew up as a Jew. And the thing about growing up as a Jew, 
you knew that there were all of these laws and things that made you more righteous than the other people, you know? So Peter was looking at all of his peers, all of his other fishing buddies and different ones that would come in the town and sell fish at the market. And Peter was like, you know, I'm not like super awesome. I'm not like a religious leader, but I mean, I'm doing all right. And and Peter was kind of just doing his thing. Before Jesus called him, Peter was just doing his thing. And before Jesus called Travis, Travis was doing his own thing. Yes, I am talking about myself in third person. I grew up with a knowledge of God. I grew up with a moral compass. My mom was great about making sure that we had a Christian worldview and that we knew about Jesus. So I I grew up knowing about Jesus. I was in church all of the time. At one time, I was going to like three different churches on different days during the week because I was playing in the praise teams and stuff. And when I was graduating high school, I had a plan. I was like, hey, I'm gonna go play music. That's what I wanna do. That's what I'm good at. But the thing about Jesus, he has a funny way of kind of interrupting your life. And you're doing your thing on the seashore. You're fishing because you're a fisherman. You fished all of your life. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he's like, hey, follow me. And that's what Jesus did For me, literally, I was just doing my own thing, making my own plans. And Jesus, through my mom, was like, hey, why don't you go to this Bible college, Texas Bible Institute, but they believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they believe that Jesus still does miracles. And I've mentioned the story in another podcast, but I reluctantly kind of went to this college and I thought I had this Christian life figured out. I had heard so many sermons. I had heard so much about things that I was supposed to do and things that I wasn't supposed to do and being a person of character, being a person of integrity. But what's interesting is at that point, Jesus called me. And this call has literally changed my life. I went to the Bible college at 18. It's crazy to think that this is gonna be my ninth summer at Discovery Camp. But what's even crazier is that God called me here. So just in case you've wondered what I've been up to, for the last seven years, I've been in full-time ministry. I was two years in Bible college, so I've been at this physical location. This is going on my ninth year. And being in full-time ministry has its own frustrations. Not that if you're not in full-time ministry, you won't be able to relate, but it's just different because There's the danger of getting so busy with ministry and representing Jesus that you don't spend time with Jesus because you're so busy. And then ironically enough, you end up misrepresenting Jesus because you weren't able to spend time with him because you were so busy because you had to make ministry happen. And that isn't healthy for you. It's not a healthy model for the people that you're ministering to. How can you expect them not to turn into a busybody too? It's like the Martha spirit. And we can get so busy doing things for Jesus and doing ministry for Jesus that we forget that Jesus is with us. And actually, Jesus wants to do ministry with us. He actually wants to empower us to be able to do ministry. And I I wanna tell somebody listening that being busy for the Lord isn't bad, 
but not being with him is the danger that we run into. And this is scary to think about, but I really believe that there are people that are in full-time ministry that are in full-time ministry because they need the position, they need that leadership title to pressure them into performing because if they didn't have that pressure, they wouldn't even be a Christian, like they would be in the world. And I wanna tell you, if you're frustrated with your Christian experience, if you feel complacent, if you feel like you're stuck in the same place, you don't have to fight complacency with being busy. Busy doesn't fight complacency, but being with the Lord does. In Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. So many times in our life, we just feel like we're waiting on things to happen, waiting on things to open up. And the thing about waiting is, as we're waiting, most of the time, we're getting impatient, we're getting frustrated, we're praying, God, when is this gonna happen? Why hasn't this happened? Let me bring it close to home. I'm this age and I'm not married yet. I'm this age and I don't have X amount of money in the bank. I'm this age and I haven't locked into a career path yet. And even the things that I listed, those are really big things that keep us up at night. But even the irony of those are, that is really us waiting on us, or us waiting on somebody else. But in Isaiah, it says, when you wait on the Lord, you actually get stronger. It's a supernatural waiting. And someone might turn to you and say, oh, have you done that yet? And you're like, well, I do wanna do it but it's just not bugging me. Cause when you wait on the Lord, he comes. And now all of a sudden you were complacent and you were frustrated and you were like, God, why is my life like this? Why is this happening? And the Lord is like, no, I need you to wait on me. Cause when you wait on me, you're gonna get stronger. If you're waiting on me, you won't be disappointed because I'm gonna show up. And some of you have been waiting on things that aren't the Lord. And the Lord is like, no, listen, I won't disappoint you. Just wait on me. Get alone where you can hear God's voice. Maybe it's in your room. I'm so funny whenever I'm spending time with Jesus, I'll just like lay sprawled out on the floor. Like, Lord, can I get any lower? But you can never get too low that the Lord doesn't see you. You can never get too low that the Lord won't meet you. And with that being said, the danger of being in ministry is that we don't do the ministry for Jesus with Jesus. And that's the big idea of this podcast. But I wanna go into a few practicals, maybe more specific to my situation that you might be able to learn from. As a male man in 21st century America, there are pressures that we have socially. There are pressures that we have from our peers. On one side, you have culture saying equality and everything needs to be equal. And then some of those same people might turn to you and say, be a man. And it's just very frustrating being a man. There are two questions as a man that we want to answer. The first question is, am I fulfilling my purpose? The second question is, am I reaching my potential? 
And when you start to think about your potential, you get on Instagram and you see all of these people that are like living your dream and then you start comparing your success to their success. But the funny thing about it is they actually started Like you might not have started yet and you're just looking at those people and you're frustrated and you're like, oh, why am I not that big? That's a whole nother podcast to be honest with you. And that was Travis earlier this year. I'm like, Lord, I know you called me to my workplace right now. I know you've called me to do certain things, but why do I feel like I'm not reaching my potential? Number one, that's kind of like a very selfish thing. And kind of bringing up my friend Peter again, the frustrating thing about when the Lord calls you, because it's not like I would have picked full-time ministry myself. It's not like it was my path. So then you're in this place and you're frustrated because you're like, Lord, I know that you called me here, but now I'm miserable and it's all your fault. Or now I'm complacent and it's all your fault. And it's kind of, it's really funny But it's like, we blame the Lord because he called us. We blame the Lord when we didn't get our way because he called us. And it ends up turning into like this very humanistic thing where you're in ministry and you're serving God, but really you're serving yourself because you're blaming God for all of this stuff. And he's like, yo, I'm not even doing this. And yes, I did call you and I'm not gonna apologize for calling you, but I wanna empower you now and do ministry with you. Why can't I do ministry with you? And the Lord's like frustrated and then you're frustrated. And it's like this divine mystery communication. And I'm saying it like it's really funny, but I'm laughing about it because this was my frustration like this whole last year. God is good even when we don't get our way. God is good when all of your plans fail. At the beginning of this year, the Lord gave me a very interesting word and it caught me off guard because in a lot of ways, I thought things were going to be very easy you know, the beginning of this year. And and the Lord hit me with this. He said, your destiny is coming forth and it looks like inconvenience. And I was like, man, are are you sure, Lord? Like, I don't want to hear that. And again, this is not the Bible. This is the Lord talking with me. This is like my relationship with my father. So I was like, man, that's, that's kind of wild inconvenience. But the more I started thinking about it, when the Lord inconveniences you, when he makes all of your plans fail, when he wakes you up early in the morning, it's because he wants to spend time with you. So busybodies, if you're listening and you feel like you've been running into a wall after a wall and you feel stuck and you feel like things haven't been working, maybe this is God getting your attention. He's like, hey, the reason this hasn't been working and the reason why you've been losing sleep is because I know how to get your attention and I'm gonna get your attention because I love you. You're my son and you're representing me and I need to make sure that you're going about it the right way. Another word that the Lord gave me was charisma is not a replacement for devotion. And in our charismatic circle, we really value and esteem people who are orators, people who can speak, people that are exciting, people that aren't boring. And when we really hype up these different personality traits, and I heard Dr. Miles Monroe say, The reason why we'll spend four hours casting out 
a demon is because we only spent two minutes in our Bible. Two minutes versus four hours. He was like, if we spent four hours in devotion, four hours in the word, four hours with our father, we would be able to do those instantaneous miracles that Jesus did. The charismatic people, the word of faith people, they get really pumped about like instant miracles. Like now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I believe fully that Jesus can and does do instant miracles. Like he can do more in one moment than we could do in a natural lifetime. But I also wanna make sure equally that we're emphasizing our devotion because that four hours casting out a demon is an unbalanced life. And most of us can probably relate because we just get so busy. And it's especially dangerous when you're in full-time ministry. Just because you yell, you shout, and you're entertaining, it doesn't mean that you're anointed. You're just an entertainer. But I wanna look at Jesus's lifestyle because in Jesus's lifestyle, there is the recipe for that miracle ministry. Because when Jesus walked on this earth, he was fully God, but he was fully man. And as a man, he didn't have any perks while he was here. And he was able to model this life of God, this full gospel. He was able to model it while he walked on earth. So let's look at how Jesus did life. And in Mark 135, it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he being Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place. And then he prayed. And I'm actually going to preach Dr. Miles Monroe's version, but that great while before daylight, it was probably about 4 a.m. And at the beginning of this year, the Lord was just waking me up like so early early. And when the Lord wants to get my attention, he wakes me up early. That's that's just what he does because he knows he can get my attention. And I was like, Lord, like what is up? Like why do you keep on waking me up at three in the morning, at four in the morning? And I'm just like in my thoughts. And then I start freaking out about life and all of these different things. And I started putting two and two together. I was like, whoa, Travis, like This is the Lord waking you up. He's trying to get your attention. So you just start like praying. But this model that Jesus did before he even started his day, before he even got in the ministry machine, he was in the presence of God because he prioritized devotion. He prioritized being with his father. And you might be listening to the podcast and you're like, 4 a.m. I didn't even know Jesus was up at 4 a.m. Well, here's the thing also that Jesus was like a disciplined person. Like he wasn't just haphazardly like going through life. There are plenty of things that like don't make sense why he did what he did. Like for one person, he spits in mud and then rubs it in their eyes. Another group of 10 people, he says, go show yourself to the priests. You've been made clean and 10 people go running off and one comes back. And we think that all of this is just like random stuff that's going on. But even Jesus was like, hey, the stuff that I'm doing, 
I'm just doing the stuff that I see my father doing. So Jesus had a disciplined life. He went early in the morning to be with God. And then when he was out doing ministry, doing life, walking through the streets, he was looking for God. So he's with God in the morning and he's looking for God during the day. The word that I really want to emphasize for us today, though, is discipline. And Jesus actually had 12 disciples. That's where the word disciple comes from. Because we talk about faith that can move mountains and we get people so excited about faith and what you can do when you're in faith and having faith in God. And there's a scripture in Matthew 17 and it's very eye-opening. It says, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into fire and often into water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And the thought that I really want to emphasize right now is we talked about Jesus's discipline. Well, these people are his disciples. The man takes his son to the disciples. They're not able to heal him. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Why this scripture is important is because these weren't people that were just like casually following Jesus. The disciples were invested. They had literally left everything else to follow Jesus. But the disciples are learning. They're going for it. And Jesus is totally willing to teach them. And so it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But I want to focus on verse 21 because it's easy to kind of glaze over that or overlook it when you've heard something as spectacular as mountain moving faith. And in verse 21, he says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. He's like, guys, prayer and fasting. You've seen me do it every single morning. You weren't ready. You weren't prepared. And this wasn't the first miracle that the disciples had done. In Luke 10, Jesus turned to 77 people and he sent them on a healing ministry into the city. And they all came back to him and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Like the disciples, this wasn't their first go round. Like they had done miracles before. And in a way, the disciples had got complacent even in the midst of a miracle ministry. They said, hey, we're really getting the hang of this ministry thing. I think we can take a break. And respectfully, prayer isn't even for the miracle ministry only. It's so that you can have a healthy Christian life. Like you don't wanna not be connected with God. And the scary thing is that you could have a great ministry track record. Like 
you've prayed for somebody and they've been healed and you read your Bible yesterday and we become okay with being okay and the things that made you great, maybe it's when you were young, you were just crying out to God in your room and you were saying, God, use me. But as you got older, that call got a little more faint because you you thought you're good enough. Or maybe you and your girlfriend broke up and you were so devastated that you just ran into God's presence and you were reading your Bible and you were fasting and you were doing all of these things as a response to your heartache. God doesn't want to break your heart. God doesn't want to disappoint you. We believe that all things work together for our good. But if it is literally taking crisis after crisis to get you into God's presence, to get you talking to your father, then your stuff's broken. And if your grief and your heartache is the only thing that gets you into God's presence, you might find yourself in grief and heartache because God wants to spend time with you. And it's not that he's doing bad things, but he just knows that you need him. And he knows that in ministry that you need him. And he knows that if you're going to represent him, that he has to be with you. And this year, Jesus really brought me back to that first call, the same way that Jesus turned to Peter on the shore and said, follow me. The same way that when Peter denied Jesus three times and he went back to being a fisherman and Jesus came to the shore and he called him again. I feel like in some ways the Lord called me again. It's not that the first call wasn't valid, but it's just that for the sake of me, for the sake of my theology, the Lord said, hey, I don't just want you to do ministry. I want to do ministry with you. Thanks for listening to this podcast and I'll see you real soon. (music) 